Welcome to the Workplace Forward Podcast with your host, executive coach Tegan Travato, founder and CEO of Bright Arrow Coaching. Are you a perpetually busy, always overstretched leader or executive who feels there's never time to keep up with leadership trends in an always changing landscape, much less self-care? Workplace Forward will help you overcome both challenges and gain peace of mind. Through Tegan's conversations with executives, experts, authors, and innovators about their leadership journeys, you'll get quick hits of two things you need the most. Essential insights to help navigate the future workplace and best practices on the more human side of leadership so you're empowered to take care of yourself while leading others. Enjoy some well-deserved time for yourself to learn and recharge. Let's get started with today's guest. Tegan, take it away. Dr. Deb Loftus and I connected through some mutual friends and colleagues in the leadership development space, folks with whom we share a deep passion for the leadership work we do and ways of doing it that can be described as more whole person than strictly textbook professional coaching. Deb comes into the breadth and depth of this way of working with leaders from a background well-suited to it. She has a PhD from Northwestern University in two areas of psychology, personality, and clinical, which she is fond of describing as equipping her to comfortably work across the spectrum from normal to, quote unquote, more complex personality types, and then spent nine years in various internal leadership and organizational development roles in public and privately held corporations. For the last 15 years, she's been dedicated to working with myriad individual leaders, as well as leadership teams while running her own consulting firm, Liminal Solutions, a name we will get back to in a moment because it was chosen quite deliberately by Deb. She has also served as adjunct faculty at her alma mater, teaching leadership courses at the graduate school level at Northwestern. Deb, welcome and thank you for joining us today. Thank you. I've been looking forward to this conversation and think it's particularly well-timed given that we're at the start of the new year. (laughs) I totally agree. I totally agree. You know, it's funny how we came to find each other. We have mutual colleagues, but also one of the ways I discovered your work is that one of my coaches sent me an article that you had written on LinkedIn. And I think it's published on your website. I'm sure we'll end up putting this in the show notes as well about liminal space. And you wrote it back in 2018, but my goodness, is it (laughs) apropos now? So I'd love if you would tell listeners about liminal space. First of all, what is it and why is it important for us as leaders to be aware of right now? Sure. Yeah. Great. Thank you so much. It's it's a passion of mine. As you know, my company Mm -hmm. name is Liminal Solutions Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, and that was Uh, chosen very intentionally 20 years ago, uh, based on my own journey, but let me talk about what liminal space is. So the root of liminal is limen, which is a Latin word that means threshold, border, or beginning. And so what this describes, uh, first and foremost, is an in-between space. It was originally coined by a cultural anthropologist who was describing the place in societies and cultures and even human development where there are rites or rituals, ideally, Mm -hmm. that capture a passage from one state of being to another or one set of norms and epic or time to another. So we might think of a so-called vision quest that 
adolescents were sent out on as a marker of their journey from childhood to adulthood as something a cultural anthropologist would call a liminal space. Got it. So that was then adopted by others who have kept it alive since then and have sort of spread it through other uh, fields. And our field of organizational development, organizational psychology, leadership has sort of grabbed onto this really, I think just in the last like five to seven years, but really hot during the pandemic. Yes. Of course, it's sort of caught fire. It has a very, very multi-layered meaning. I think what I would pull forward is, is it like change? Mm-hmm. It describes a time of change, but it's much more profound and almost pregnant mm-hmm. <laughs> sense of, of, of change because you are, there are many changes occurring. And yet I would say one of the key differences is that it's about being in the very state of liminality that is part of the gift, if you will. It's also part of the suffering, right? but uh, you are changed by being in a liminal space, not so much when you're going through change, so to speak, right? A lot of us think of, well, I just need to manage or resolve the things that are going on in change to get from pre-state to post-state of that change. Liminality is about what happens to you, how you are transformed while you're in this in-betweenness. You're standing on that threshold of not no longer being who you were, what you were, uh, or a system being what it was before, and not yet having arrived at who you're going to be or what the system or the business um, or the community Mm -hmm. is going to be. So it's, Mm -hmm. it's that living into that space, allowing the, the forces that are active during a liminal phase to act upon you and the community or the organization, if that's what we're talking about, that is one of the key markers okay. of, of liminality. Okay. All right. So I want to play with this a little bit and make sure yeah. I'm totally tracking you yeah. and I both. One thing we have in common is we're working in high growth orgs or orgs undergoing major change. And then also we're coaches. So we're con- constantly introspecting. It is just part of our nature. So I am, I am thinking of all the liminal space that I've been through personally, but then I'm also thinking about all of our teams and organizations and the liminality they experience, especially right now, which I'll definitely ask you to talk more about here in a second is what's going on today. But to, to really understand the concept, what comes up for me as you describe that is that liminality probably encompasses things like a dark night of the soul on a personal level, maybe also a systemic level, probably could be described as the messy middle I would imagine all of our norms and agreed upon behaviors are not intact. And there's probably a sense of not having a full sense of self or identity. Is that right? Yes, that I think all of that. And I would, I want to just latch onto that last piece because, and I want to scale, start with individual, but also scale through team and to full organizational identity part of it. Um, So liminality um, is also associated with Jungian thought. And and in particular, that's where this whole idea of individuation, the forming of identity, one's own or an organization's own identity comes into play. And, And there are three stages of liminality that can be talked about. So the first stage is separation from whatever was before. And then the second stage is standing on the threshold 
of whatever is to come. And then the third stage is sort of a, a, an integration or reintegration. It's whatever, you know, coming into the Oh, that's helpful. So, yeah. So, so dark night of the soul, um, being without norms, being in an organization that is, I mean, many organizations right now are completely adrift and are managing, trying to be very agile, uh, to use one of our buzzwords in, in organizational circles, managing the protocols for return to office and how to manage different forms of, of working. And I think that could very aptly be described as being a liminal space right now, how we're getting work done. Uh, because we are all being transformed, our organizations are being transformed in the ways we're getting work done as we're trying to codify this, to formalize, to make rational decisions mm -hmm. about how work needs to get done. And it's a little bit arguable what's leading the decision making. Is right. It, right. Is it the rational processes we're going through or is it the more emotional, Reactive. Uh, intuitive, mm -hmm. almost sort of the shadow element, mm -hmm. if you will. And so we need to, we need to sort of honor both sides of that in this, again, these phases of detachment, this threshold or in betweenness and then, and reintegration, but all those examples you gave are, are good ones. As long as, again, I'm just going to return to as long as what we are attuned to is Yes, I'm in the middle of something that's not just about shutting my eyes and getting through. Right. Right. We would miss it's the about, opportunity, it sounds like. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. about allowing the transformation that is in many ways uh, talked about. And I, this is my own experience. It's there to guide us. Mm -hmm. It's an emergent, reliable, trustworthy, age old process that has forces both light and dark yes both those that, that are going to feel comfortable and those that are going to feel deeply uncomfortable right okay and you talked about you you touched on the idea that we can't be sure we can't tell what is leading what at this moment right the the light or the dark the shadow side or innovation if you will or growth yeah. so what else do you see when it comes to this liminal space concept playing out today during this time we're in? Well, I think what I see, and, and it's really heartening, actually, I um, have been having the gift of a lot of conversations with individual leaders recently for some processes I'm involved in. And I have been moved to hear um, in conversations with a number of uh, global and domestic leaders, when I ask them the question, how have you been changed? Or challenged during these 22-ish months of the pandemic, if at all. Mm -hmm. I always have to leave that qualifier, yes. if at all. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mm -hmm. haven't had one person yet, and I'm and I'm in the I'm in the 40s to 50s in terms of these number of interviews at this point, just in the last two months. I haven't had one person say, Oh, haven't changed. been changed at all. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> Thank goodness. We might need a different line of question for someone who's not feeling changed by these times. So that's good to hear. Right. And I also am not hearing I'm just, you know, sort of hanging on for dear life and I'm I'm doing everything the same and waiting for the former way that we used to do things to reemerge. I'm also not hearing that. I think that that's heartening uh, yes. because I think that is an available response. We all would recognize that uh, inclination in ourselves and in the systems 
that yes, we serve. to cling to the um, old for comfort. Absolutely. absolutely. I am a little surprised you haven't heard that out of dozens I, of interviews. <laughs> That's wonderful news though. As I would say, I haven't heard it as a prevailing position or attitude. Okay. I mean, there certainly are people who will say, yeah, this is really hard and it's mm -hmm. even scary. And uh, I've had some really brave folks who have said, you know, we just need to have some really open, courageous conversations, even as a group of leaders about how everyone's doing. Right. This is tough stuff. This is a tough time. Mm -hmm. um, and we're having lots of great business conversations right now about how the business needs to change. And, and we've been altering our ways of doing business or trying to keep our processes and systems up and running. And we've been finding some cool, innovative ways to meet customer needs, for instance, through technology that's changing, et cetera, uh, virtual ways of conducting business. And yet the way in which we're connecting from a human level has not adapted as much. Yes, we're on a screen, that's adapted. But our ability to connect in a way that I would find most meaningful you know, I would love to see that change more. And, and so that connects to a second thing I want to share about what I'm finding really lovely about these conversations is when I ask them, many of these leaders, how they've changed or been challenged during this time. I, one of the key themes I hear is I have recognized how important other people are to me. Mm. Yeah. Like, you know, I used to kind of know that people are important to get things done, or I had relationships in my personal life that that were important to me, and then work was this whole other thing. But but I've really been several folks use the word humbled, really been humbled through this time. That I just really need that some of the highlights of this period of time have been brief breaks that we've all had in the pandemic when it seemed like we you know we were merging, things were right. getting safer, right? We, right newly vaccinated, whatever it might've been that created that. And there was a little flurry of activity and people could be together with their workmates. And I can remember uh, a couple of people just speaking of the joy mm. that they, they felt and then getting back to the places where they were working from home and, um, or even their offices, which were more isolated and feeling the loneliness of that. So I think the, this liminal space that many leaders are in, what I'm hearing is this recognition of the importance of connectedness with others. And that sounds sort of like, oh yeah, well, aren't we all learning that? Because I think we're having sort of this universal experience of loneliness. And yet we're talking with a group of folks who are carrying the weight of, you know, major operational decisions on their shoulders every day. And I, I think that to hear them say, this is about the emotional value. They don't say it exactly that way, but that's how it sounds is right. it's the emotional, it's emotional nurturing and, and the feeling of being fed by the time mm -hmm. together and the quality of conversation that would be met by how are you doing? Right. Right. How has this time been for you? What's right. been really hard? How are you growing and changing? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. That's one of the things I'm hearing. I love <laughs> that. You know, it's so interesting. It just takes me back to the old adage, you know, it's work, it's business, it's not personal. Remember mm. when that used to be said all the time? Yeah. yeah. And people still try to throw that out there on occasion. I'll hear it. I still will hear it at the executive level. And I think that that is dying. 
I think that old way, especially with what you're describing, it's it's going away. There is no longer <laughs> the claim to stake that it's business. It's not personal. Everything is so integrated. Uh, but I love what I'm hearing here from your the leaders you've interviewed, that they are really feeling their own need to be connected, but also it sounds like the interest in helping to create that connection at work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think we could probably throw in here to what you're describing and the shift mm-hmm. in the way, I don't, it's almost like a tagline mm-hmm. <laughs> that we could put over certain leaders. I think the great resignation, you know, what we all yes. call the great, you know, know is at least the great resignation is also helping to shift that because I am also hearing leaders who are anxious about the people holding onto the people they have, valuing the people that they have, yes, but also wanting to hold on to them and and anxious to find the right ways to foster mm-hmm. a, a meaningful set of a sense of connection through these virtual met for many of them virtual workplaces. Some, you know, some folks are back in a right. workplace um, in various forms. So yeah, it's yeah, it, it is a liminal time. <laughs> it's very liminal. You know, the first point you started to make in this area is if I caught the if I caught this correctly, so tell me if I didn't, it sounded like you said that it seems like there's another way as humans to connect in these times. Did I hear that correctly? Or some something like that? That we're, it sounded like something we're missing that's still missing in the recipe is what you're picking up on. If I heard you correctly. Yeah, I perhaps, or, or, or you might've just heard a wonderful lead to a next section of our conversation, which is terrific. I, I do think that particularly in the kinds of roles that you and I have and others do this sort of work where we're entrusted to ask questions that help to create a pause for the leaders with whom we work and, and in the groups of leaders with whom we get to sit, that there is an opportunity when we hear expressions of the need to connect differently um, or the need to drive more connectedness among their people. Even I'm interested in the way I just said that drive connectedness. I mean, yeah. isn't that sort of a paradoxical <laughs> a little, but I understand that, energies yeah. there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but so yeah, I was, understand. I understand. Right? That. Mm-hmm. It's like inv- invite connectedness might be the better term, but I think that the, the opportunity is to help shift the conversation. And, and so I find myself structuring different conversations with groups of leaders with whom I'm getting the opportunity to work during this time. And it is more personal mm-hmm. in nature. I, I, I mean, personal versus impersonal is sort of an artificial depiction, I think, of, of a continuum that we're talking about, maybe more, uh, it's just more whole person. Right. Instead of leading with the business objectives, you're leading with yeah. how are you as a human doing, for yes. example. Great. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. How has this time been for you? Again, what what are you learning about yourself individually and as a leader? What are you learning about this team? Mm-hmm. And it's almost like just turning on a tap of a you know, like a, a faucet that has a lot of pressure built up mm-hmm. behind mm-hmm. it. And the water just comes gushing yeah. out in terms of the quality of conversation. It might take a little bit, you know, like one brave soul to 
venture forth and you, there's almost always going to be that wonderful brave yes. soul in any team. <laughs> always thankful for them. Always. Yes. Right. But gosh, great, great, great conversations. And I, another thing I've noticed during this time is the leaders who are coming forward to me in coaching or in thinking about team sessions to ask, how do we help? people have different kinds of conversations with each other. How do we bring more emotion into the conversations? How do we do a check-in mm -hmm. with everybody in a way that still can feel appropriate for the business setting, but is different than what we're, we usually do, which might just be a quick go around the table and you know do, do a check-in on what you've been working on. Yeah, that makes lately. sense. Yeah. Right? So. It seems like organizations could get trapped in repeat cycles of liminality. Is that a fair assumption? Well, like keep falling back into liminal spaces. People, well, I yeah. think I, you know, it's so funny you say that because I'm going to borrow from one of the interviews I did recently. I, I love this this guy's way of describing what I think many of us feel has been happening and living through this pandemic. He said, you know, it sort of feels like the the Lucy and Charlie Brown scene where Lucy keeps holding the football out. Charlie Brown runs with all of his might to kick that football and she snatches it away at the last minute. And then, you know, an, a, a minute or two later or a scene or two later, it repeats itself. And so I think, yes, any of us or organizations can get caught in cycles of liminality. But I also want to be careful about potentially suggesting that that's a typical dynamic. Again, I think liminality emerges as a reliable phase mm -hmm. that's occurring in the development or just the lifeline of an individual or a team or a relationship or an organization. And so to the extent that it might keep emerging, we have some great questions to ask about, you know, first of all, are we noticing anything? Does it feel like we keep falling into liminality or are we in change? I think that's right. That distinction is important. And then secondly, if we do feel we are, why is that? Is it, is it a natural evolution or a natural dynamic rather than evolution that, that therefore needs to be honored and is reliable and we should let it guide us. And in other words, not resist that we continue to go through some cycles of liminality. And I'm going to return to that because there's a great HBR article on that. But alternatively, I think of the um, answer to are we going through liminality, not because it's some sort of meaningful cycle that we're going through periodically, but instead it's because we're not, we're not sort of paying enough attention to the lessons mm -hmm. that are available to us, to the transformation that is trying to occur here. And so it is like Lucy pulling the football away in some sense, because we just aren't getting that effort to kick the ball in the most conscious, attuned way. I'm not even going to use the word right, right? It's more mm -hmm. about being conscious, being attuned, working with what needs to happen. Then I think that's, those are different mechanisms, if you will, that can cause us to go through multiple cycles. Okay. What is the work to be done when in the liminal space? So what I heard you hint at one, which is look for the lessons, right? Let's not overlook the opportunity, but you know, if someone 
individually or is leading a team or an organization that is in that liminal space, how do they turn that into an, a moment or an opportunity? What should they be yeah. doing? To recognize that it is a liminal time, right? So, so there's something that feels more powerful, a deeper sense of dislocation, if you will, that we absolutely can't hold on to or go back to significant ways of being or doing or running our business or leading or identifying our brand or who we are as individuals. And we're very unsure, <laughs> anxiously unsure, or even scarily unsure what's going to happen or needs to happen to get to the other side of things, right? So I think there's that piece of things. And so the work there is to identify it. And then I also think, secondly, it is to both I be attuned to the lessons that are emerging and that I've, I've already described are reliable, will emerge over time and harness the energies that are available there, right? Human systems I, I'm kind of a Meg Wheatley fan. And for those who aren't familiar with Meg Wheatley, she is a wonderful organizational thinker and she borrows from biological mm. systems with a mm -hmm. lot of her thinking. And so her advice to, uh, on a, in a lot of different forms is trust human systems to puzzle their way through needed evolution or through needed. She, she, I've not seen her use the word liminal. <laughs> Mm -hmm. liminality or liminal space, but I think she easily could, right? That that like biological systems, like our like our bodies are adapting to sort of over time, you know, fight off the virus right. that's coming in, right? It's getting to a milder form of it, we hope, we think. So biological systems, human systems will find ways to get to this new stage. We as individual systems, we have an innate drive toward individuation and moving on to our next developmental stage unless we resist or block it, right? So, so it's about being attuned to what's happening and then latching on to the small lessons and medium lessons and large lessons, insights, innovations that are occurring and trust that they will show up. I think of uh, what's the, the book called, is it Shift, that, the, the book about change where they talk about hotspots? basically going okay. into human systems or organizational systems and finding the positive examples of what's needing to change. That in any system, usually there's something already happening that is an example of the change at work, the, the, the liminal, liminality at work and, and the newness that needs to occur. So there's that attunement to mm. the next stage already occurring. I and love that. Because in a time of change, we're so uncomfortable where our brains are wired to look for the sources of discomfort, which are often the things that are, I won't call it broken, but that may, it may be the old way that we're leaving behind, right? So we keep looking backwards at that. I love the idea that we look forward at what has already emerged in that small yes. little hotspot, right? Yeah. To help us yes. all integrate into the new way. That's right. Which beautiful. means we have to sort of have this spirit of inquiry. We have to be mm -hmm. like you are pointing out, we have to notice, mm -hmm. uh, we have to put our energy toward what is being invented, what is changing, what is growing, what is different. And sometimes that's uncomfortable too. Yes. Um, right. So you were talking about getting stuck on the discomfort of the suffering or what's no longer 
uh, true for us, but also there can be the discomfort for some of us with what's new and unknown and yeah. uncertain, but, but sort of doing that work to notice the difference. Oh, this is, you know, this is uncomfortable because I'm not sure about this yet. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's different than I'm grieving. I'm sad because this, this can no longer happen anymore. Or I can't go into the office and work hundred percent of the time anymore. I can't see all my people in person all the time anymore. There's still a lot of grieving around that. And I don't mean to sell short the need to grieve. It has its place. And in this little space, we will be led really to when it's time to let the grieving go and move in this new direction. Right? And it's worth noting, we don't stop and grieve. Grief can be processed while we yes. have forward momentum, yeah. right? Yeah. So the yeah. image that came up for me as you were describing this, which is hilarious, is you can be dragged behind the truck or you can be at the driver's seat of the truck that may not have a windshield. <laughs> okay. How's that? That's great. <laughs> Both are messy, but you get to choose the discomfort, right? So awesome. I would be curious, and I'm sure our listeners would too, to just get a peek behind the curtain with some of your clients in terms of what the hardest conversations have been lately with your leadership clients and some of the most powerful ones. Now that you've, you're constantly talking with leaders, but you've had a very interesting last couple of months where you've talked with almost 40 now. So What's emerging from those that you're noticing? Really, it's paradoxically, some of the same conversations are the hardest and the most wonderful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and paradox is, I haven't touched on that yet, so often a part of liminality and liminal space is holding the light and the dark, holding, as we were just talking about, what's new and uncertain and that we might be excited about and a little scared about and also what we're grieving and letting go of, as you pointed out. So I, I think some of the hardest conversations are people who are feeling a great sense of dislocation, folks who are expressing that they just don't feel good or confident about the way that they're leading right now. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and I so appreciate the candor and vulnerability that any of us would demonstrate in making a, you know, what might feel like a confession like that. I just don't know. I don't feel very confident that I know what I'm doing very well right now. And I used to feel like I kind of had it figured out. So I think that those are some of the hardest conversations because I can see the pain and suffering that those individuals are feeling. And I don't have, because I will feel the desire myself to fix that, you know, if momentarily the part of me rises that wants to soothe and fix. And I don't have, you know, the ability nor the recipe to fix that. What I can be is, and you can be right. Any of us, a companion to witness to yes. the, right. The humanity that's showing up and I can be fellow journey person and say, yeah, I get it. Yes. I get it. And by the way, I'm hearing lots of other leaders talk about that too, you know, so let's talk about you're not, you're not alone, like dispelling the loneliness. Yes. Again, Mm -hmm. like, so how do we even help that sense of connection be felt through our storytelling that we can do? Yeah. Thank you for pointing that out. So I think those are some of the hardest conversations just because of the vulnerability and, and pain that is being expressed. And yet those are also the most wonderful conversations in the sense that I trust as a 
psychologist, as a human being, as a person working in liminal spaces, passionate about it for all these years, that it's that sort of vulnerability and candor and openness to the experiences that are coming to leaders who are talking like that, that that is, that is the growth mm-hmm. coming, you know, it's the early stages or the messy middle tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's being in the front seat of that vehicle with no windshield. Right? Mm-hmm. I don't know where I'm going. I don't even know that I have a firm grasp on the steering wheel. I used to feel like I was in a Maserati driving, right. you know, hundred miles per hour down a highway yeah. in a lovely urban area. Yeah. Uh, now I'm out in the fields and I'm bumping along right. tractor, no windshield. So I- <laughs> it's such a good image, right? Bugs in your teeth. I mean, dust in your eyes, no clue, yeah. no clue. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I, and think, I, yeah. I think that, and I think the second I would just add is the extension of that to their people, um, hearing mm-hmm. folks who are really worried about and, and care deeply about how their people are doing and don't feel as able to sort of put their arms around their people, both because of the virtual ways of working, many of them are still engaged in uh, also because the solutions to the hours that are being worked and the blurred boundaries between work and home that are almost endemic in the yeah. time I'm traveling. Yeah. Our, our- Way to slot in the word endemic, Deb, right now. Nice work. <laughs> um, may we end up in a different endemic very soon. But, you know, I want to like maybe have you punctuate that a little bit more because you and I privately, before we started, hit the record button, we're just talking about how we have both been noticing that over the holiday, the Christmas and and other holidays at the end of the year, no one slowed down. And typically this is a time of rest and businesses are going a little slower and leaders are taking vacation and their people are resting. And I did not see that this year. And you told me the same was true for you. And you brought that up, that point that there's a boundarylessness at the moment we had to integrate work and life in a way that's never been done, never. But now we've kind of moved all the way to a different end of the spectrum, perhaps. Could you talk a little more about what you're seeing when it comes to that change? Yeah. One of the things I described to you that I am seeing is people, uh, and these are leaders who are describing that even in their own work lives, they are feeling like there's a pace that continues that early on in the pandemic felt more understandable, almost, I don't want to say uh, joyful is not the quiet word, but fulfilling, almost fulfilling early Purpose on. Purpose-oriented maybe. Yes, right? that's exactly. Mm-hmm. It was more purpose-driven. Mm-hmm. Everyone was rallying together, you know, trying to figure out how to make all the great changes that needed to occur in, in meeting customer needs uh, with, with work occurring very differently and changing customer needs in some cases, how, how to figure that out and then how to work with each other in very different ways to do that. And so I think there was a sense of a lot of unification around those new questions that emerged and puzzling through them together. And then also what I've heard described is that at the same time that there was this unification and this satisfaction of solving these interesting problems, there's also more respect, if you will, given to the fact that we were in a 
early stage experience. We didn't know it was early stage at that point, but we were right. in this sort of first time experience of lockdown for many people. So there, you know, there were kids at home, not in the school environment. They were needing to be virtually schooled, et cetera. And so there was more understanding of the awkwardness of work getting done and maybe needing to step out of things and have shorter days, et cetera. And what I'm hearing described more recently is both the persistence of this pace in a way that to use an overused analogy, right? It's sort of like we've been running this sprint so long that it's, you know, not, it's not even like a marathon. It's like an ultra marathon. I mean, we're on one of those 150 mile desert marathons. And is there still as strong of a purpose to it? Or are we just, have we just gotten sort of mindlessly accustomed mm-hmm. to working this way? And then secondly, there's also, or maybe in a related sense, there's a feeling of not as much respect being given to the boundaries between work and home by colleagues, by the organization. So meetings occurring at six in the morning, seven, 8 p.m., 9 p.m. at night. And I'm not even talking about for global groups who are right. always dealing with those differences, right. right? I'm just talking about people in the same time zone or similar time zones or hearing people describe even while I'm on a virtual call with a certain set of leaders, I'm getting IMs from other people in that meeting, or I see people on their phones texting while we're all in a meeting and we can't be giving full attention to each other if we're doing that sort of things. And so, you know, I think this is really sort of that next stage, if you will, of liminality around how we're working with each other and the kinds of conversations that are kind of brave, brave conversations we need to be having about how can work best be done. Mm-hmm. Let's let's accept that for whatever period of time and maybe always we're, we're going to be working in these blended ways, heavily virtual ways. And so what's our new protocol? And not just protocol that's that our wonderful HR people have been helping to define for us, but how are we human to human? Human mm-hmm. beings in a leadership team, how do we want to set some boundaries around this? I've heard people describe, well, we tried to go to, you know, no meeting Fridays or no emailing over the weekend, and then slowly those eroded. All understandable stuff. Again, I think we're there's a lot of figuring out stuff going on and great dedicated folks who are used to working very long hours. Yeah, right. Right. So, and if you have some people in a group who are used to working weekends and other people who don't like to work weekends, you've got a lot of messiness that's occurring. So it, so th- that's what I'm hearing about and a lot of fatigue. And like you mentioned, either people limping into the holidays and they, they absolutely had to take some time off because this was kind of it for the year or they didn't get the kind of unplugging that they normally would. So, yeah. I'm seeing the same thing. And some of the behaviors you described were certainly a problem before, but everything I would describe it is in a crescendo to use a different system music, right? Mm, So everything has gotten very loud and voluminous. But the thing about a crescendo in music is that it is a high point. It must come back down. It must diminuendo, right? So this will eventually become something else. But I think our attention is being really called to this because rest is required for humans. It is required. And so 
I'm curious if you have a call to action for leaders around this, this lack of boundaries, this crescendo of busyness. We don't get to hand out advice all that often, as you know, in our work, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm going to ask you two for a change. What would you call leaders to do about this particular systemic issue we have at the moment? Well, I'm actually going to broaden it to just what what do I think leaders need to be doing right now in this period of, of great liminality in the middle great. of a pandemic. And I I think what it is, is they they actually need to be guides of liminal forces <laughs> right. and both in themselves. Mm-hmm. So they need to be awake and alert to what is at work in them and how just, I'm going to go all the way back to that question that I've had the opportunity to ask some individuals People asking, you know, individual leaders asking themselves, how have I, how am I changing and growing during this time? And, and in what form are those changes coming and what's feeling good or welcome about that? What's not? And then how do I, you know, sort of what's my intention for how I want to carry myself through this time? And I think that's really important. It's not so much set a goal for who you want to be on the other side of it. I think that's Liminal space is so tough to say, this is what I want to be on the other side of it. Because again, there's so much changing. And so it's really, who do I want to be while I walk through this time? What are some key values or principles to which I will hold dear? Or asked another way, how do I want to look back on this time three months from now, six months from now, and tell this story? Love it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's for myself. Now, I think the other piece is be a guide of liminality for the people around you. So it's your leader that, you know, that is the work is to bring forth the best in yourself and others in pursuit of meaningful goals. And so that means to ask these great needed questions to structure and invite the inquiries that are needed in your human beings that you've got around you, right? These human systems that you, you. so it's, yes, do you need to get the work done and help to guide and lead the great decision-making and changes that are needing to occur there and all the ways we've already talked about, noticing the hot spots and the emergent, innovative, mm-hmm. agile things that are going, yes. Also hold hands because there are a lot of nervous people going through liminal times. There's a lot of fear, Right. And trying to work with that and acknowledge it and just make space for it while not allowing others or inviting them beyond getting stuck there. But there's also asking these great, brave questions coming from a place of inquiry, Mm -hmm. uh, which comes to us from out of action learning. How do you come in from a place of inquiry, asking great questions that open up a space Mm -hmm. among people? that invite people in to a dialogue, into a conversation, create meeting together. I love it. Ooh, I'm so glad I asked you that last question. (laughs) That is what we, that's what we need is just a little bit of guidance on where do we go next with all of this, right? So Deb, tell our listeners how they can find you online if they want to learn more about your work. And we will be sure to include the link to that article I mentioned at the opening about liminal space. So beautifully Mm -hmm. written, but where else can they find you online? They can find, so my website is uh, liminalsolutions.com, mm-hmm. L-I-M-I-N-A-L. I often have to spell. Mm-hmm. Fair <laughs> enough, fair <laughs> enough. Uh-huh. And there you, you'll see information there on how to connect with me on my bio is there. And there's information on how to 
how to reach me. And I would love to hear from anyone who is passionate about this topic or has questions about it. It's it's definitely a lifelong, at this point, nearly lifelong passion of mine. So Worthy work, my friend, worthy work. It's so brilliant. <laughs> so will it be sure then in the, the show notes to include a link to your website and, and your LinkedIn as well, if that's okay, folks can connect yes. with you there. Okay. Okay. So my last question for you, which I feel like you may have given us some of the answers already, but I'm going to ask it again and you can just put some bookends on it for us. You know, this podcast was created to discover the behaviors, practices, beliefs, and skills that the future leader must possess so that they can lead these systems we've talked about, the systems that are changing, that will continue to change at warp speed. So to get your read on what you think is required of future leaders, let's have you finish this sentence. Leaders of the future will be open to and attuned to the forces of liminality in themselves and others and serve as guides Mm -hmm. for those that they lead. Great. Thank you so much, Deb. Brilliant work. Thank you for sharing it with our listeners and with me. It's a privilege to be up close to the way you're thinking, what you're seeing. So thank you for joining us today. Thank you. I've really appreciated the conversation. I will have an extra spring in my step the rest of the day. Fantastic. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Workplace Forward podcast, where leaders and executives can stay ahead of the curve on emerging leadership ideas and self-care best practices. Guided by executive coach Tegan Travato and her expert guests. Please take 60 seconds to help others discover the Workplace Forward podcast by going to iTunes to subscribe, give five stars, and leave a comment. Want to learn more about Bright Arrow Coaching and leadership development? Visit the website at www.brightarrowcoaching.com. See you next time. And while you're filling your team's cups, remember to take care of yourself too.